This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your self work. Hi, and welcome to my third podcast. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, or Dr. Margaret. I'm a clinical psychologist practicing in Fayetteville, Arkansas for over 20 years, and I'm so excited to bring you this podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about something that I feel very, very passionate about. It's called Perfectly Hidden Depression. That's a term that I coined to describe a presentation of depression that doesn't look at all like classic depression, so much so that therapists can miss it. It's different than classic depression, which always has a component of what's called anhedonia within it. And anhedonia is simply not being involved or interested in things that you were previously interested in. That's far from what someone with perfectly hidden depression look like. They are engaged and very driven, but underneath, hidden, there can be very dark or painful thoughts. In this episode, I'll tell you about how I came upon the concept of perfectly hidden depression, or we might call it PhD. I'm going to tell you what exactly perfectly hidden depression is. We're going to go over a questionnaire that I've created to try to help people identify themselves as having experienced perfectly hidden depression or not. And then we'll quickly go through the 10 characteristics of perfectly hidden depression. After that, I'm going to read you some emails that I've received personally from people who are actually volunteering to take part in my research on perfectly hidden depression. I think their stories will be riveting to you, and perhaps you'll identify with it, perhaps you won't. I will say that we can't cover everything I want to about perfectly hidden depression in just one podcast, because it would really be long. So the next podcast will also be on perfectly hidden depression, more what you can do about it. In this one, we'll simply describe it and give you the characteristics. So, how did I come upon the idea of perfectly hidden depression? I've been blogging since 2012. I do weekly blog posts. I was sitting in my sunroom thinking about what I wanted to write about for that week. I thought about a young woman that I was treating at the time. She was in her mid-twenties, very successful, creative person, and she was coming to me for bulimia, which of course is an eating disorder. About five or six sessions in, she looked at me and said, Margaret, you know the first session where you asked me if I'd ever been sexually abused? And I said, yes. She said, well, there's something I didn't tell you, because I really didn't think it was important. And I said, okay, well, what is it? She went on to tell me that the week before she began college, she was raped. She was at a bar with a friend, and she got separated from that friend. Someone slipped something in her drink, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, she woke up on a beach and she had obviously been raped. She said, well, I didn't really think about it because I didn't remember it, and I didn't tell anybody because it just didn't seem that important. Well, in my work with this woman, I learned that there were many things that she was discounting that were very important to who she was as a person. So as I was thinking about her and some others that were similar, 
I entitled the post, The Perfectly Hidden Depressed Person, Are You One? Much to my amazement, it went viral on my site. I also submitted it to the Huffington Post, and there it also went viral. But the funny thing was, and really very meaningful now, I had forgotten that I had left my public email on the bottom of the post, inviting people to get in touch with me personally. 150 emails later, I decided, okay, these words are touching people in a way that I never expected. So what I began doing at that point was research. I looked at everything I could possibly get my hands on, on any kind of depression that was labeled as covert or hidden. There was one a very popular book written in 1998 by Terence Reel. It was called I Don't Want to Talk About It, but it was only about men. There were a couple of others. I actually had a little hard time finding them because they really weren't very popular. It should be noted, however, that there were psychological theories about a false self. Winnicott, in fact, was someone who talked about a true self and a false self many, many years ago. So obviously, I'm not the one who's completely come up with this idea. I've also conducted almost 40 interviews with people who, through email, have contacted me and said, yes, I, I identify with your posts, and I want to talk with you, and I want to volunteer to try to help. So I've learned so much from those people. It's really given me a depth and breadth of understanding of perfectly hidden depression that I didn't have when I wrote that first post. You can find my posts, however, on Perfectly Hidden Depression, if you're interested, at drmargaretrutherford.com. So what exactly is perfectly hidden depression? Is it a diagnosis? No, it is not a diagnosis. It is a syndrome. And what a syndrome is, is a group of behaviors that are often found together. Codependency is is a syndrome. One of the things I've also done is that I created a questionnaire. That way people could take something very tangible, a questionnaire with 25 questions, and try to decide if they identified or experienced what I was terming this syndrome or perfectly hidden depression. So I thought you and I would go over it. You can also find it in the links that are attached to this podcast. There are 25 questions, as I said before, and we'll go through them quickly. Do you struggle with confiding in others, especially about your real-life difficulties and problems? That's yes or no. Number two, do you obsess about things looking perfect, both for yourself and through others' eyes? Number three, do you avoid talking to your partner or your friends about feeling hurt by them or about a growing resentment you might have? Number four, do you have trouble sleeping or turning your mind off at night? Five, Do you have trouble admitting when you're feeling overwhelmed? Six, do you push yourself to get the job done regardless of the cost to you? Seven, do you respond to the needs of your friends even when it can shortchange your own? Number eight, this one has been affirmed by almost everyone that I have talked with as being a positive. Did you grow up in a family where feelings of sadness or pain were avoided or where you were criticized or even punished for expressing them. Number nine, have you ever been hurt emotionally, physically, or sexually and told no one? Or if you did tell someone, you weren't believed or supported? Number ten, did you grow up in a family, or are you still experiencing a family, where you felt like you had to meet defined expectations 
rather than being allowed to be yourself. Number 11. Do you like to have control of a situation if you're going to be involved? My husband says that my picture should be by this one because it, it's so characteristic of me. Number 12. Do you have a growing sense that it's becoming harder to maintain an organized structure in your life? 13. If so, do you feel anxiety or even panic? 14. Do you tend to not cry or rarely cry? 15. Are you considered ultra-responsible, the one that can always be counted on by your coworkers or family and friends? Number 16. Do you think that taking time for yourself is selfish? 17. Do you dislike people considering themselves victims, that it's not their fault when something goes wrong? 18. Did you grow up being taught that you were supposed to handle painful things on your own? That asking for help reflected weakness? Number 19. Do you strongly believe in focusing on the positives in your life or, quote-unquote, counting your blessings? 20. Do you have a critical, nagging inner voice telling you you're not good enough or that you could have tried harder even though you accomplished your goal? 21. Do you outwardly seem hopefully and energetic while at times you struggle with a sense of being trapped? 22. Do you make lists of tasks to get done during the day, and if they're not completed, feel frustrated or like a failure? The last three are about family. 23. Were you an older child in a family where parents weren't available and you took care of your younger siblings? 24. Did you have to care for an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional parent as a child? And the last... Were you told that you were extremely special to one parent and felt that you needed to please them in order to maintain their emotional stability? A score over 11 may indicate that you struggle some with perfectionism or being really hard on yourself, perhaps being very involved in tasks and activities rather than slowing down and enjoying life. But when you get up to 17, 18, 19, 20, as many people have who have taken the questionnaire, then perhaps there is depression underneath that facade that you put out to the world. It's certainly something to be considered. Now, from the questionnaire, you've probably been able to determine what these characteristics of perfectly hidden depression are. I've named 10 of them for now. I'm still learning, so who knows what I'll add. Probably, if I had to add something, it'd probably be something about shame at this point. But let's go over the ones that I have. Number one is perfectionism with a constant critical inner voice. These are people who never can give themselves credit for a job well done. They're always seeing what else they could have done, what else there was, perhaps a small mistake that was made. Number two is heightened or excessive sense of responsibility. One of the characteristics I think about this is that when someone with perfectly hidden depression takes on a task, they don't let go of the ones that are already on their plate. So they're always trying to be responsible for everything that they said they do rather than saying to someone, well, you know, I just became chair of this um, nonprofit organization and I'm going to have to let go of carpool or in order to take care of myself, I'm, I'm going to have to stop volunteering at the animal shelter. Something gives when another task is accepted. Not so for the person with perfectly hidden depression. 
Number three is difficulty with accepting and expressing painful emotions. The young woman that I've talked to you about already is a great example of this. But people with perfectly hidden depression put up a facade that all is well all the time, and they want people to believe it. And so they have stuck whatever pain that they've had in their childhood or in, even in the present, and they stick it in a box and close the box tightly and stick it up in the back of their closet and try to pretend it's not there. In fact, if they've been doing it for a long time, it's really hard for them to even get those boxes out. They may even forget to feel any kind of pain. Number four is worry, need for control over self and environment. These people worry a lot. They think that worry is a helpful, they can think that worry is a helpful commodity. And they like a lot of control. Intense focus on tasks, using accomplishment as a way to feel valuable. These are the people at the party that are not going to be sitting around chatting. They're going to be helping the host or the hostess pick up plates or serve food or do something at the bar. They're the people in church who are the ushers and the and the deacons and that kind of thing. They are doers, and they feel that they're not valuable if they're not doing something. The next one is active concern about the well-being of others while not allowing anyone into his or her inner world. These are the Mary and the Johns. When something's happening to you, they're the first people who are going to come and help. But what you realize is that Mary or John has never asked for your help for anything. Maybe an occasional thing that's pretty random or slight, but not for anything big, because they don't want anyone to really know what vulnerabilities or weaknesses or problems that they might have. Now, the concern for the well-being of others is sincere. That's not part of the facade. These are caring people. The seventh is trouble with acknowledging hurt or abuse from the past or the present. You discount or dismiss them. Again, the young woman from earlier in the podcast is a great example. But this is a bad habit. These people learn this typically in their families or somewhere along the way. The eighth is accompanying mental health issues involving control or escape from anxiety. Now, this is really important for any of the therapists that may be listening. These people do not present with depression. They come in saying, oh, I'm tired all the time. I can't sleep. They may have an eating disorder or some obsessive compulsive symptoms. They may tell you that they have a glass of wine or two just to calm down, but they don't look depressed. They're smiling. They often say, I've got a lot of great things in my life. I don't really know why I'm here. Again, if if they ever go to a therapist. But many of the people that I've interviewed have said, oh yeah, I went to therapy finally because I was secretly suicidal. There was a part of me that was hoping that the therapist would see, but all the therapist said to me was, well, you don't look depressed, so you probably just need to take a little more time for yourself. The ninth is a strong belief in counting your blessings as the foundation of well-being. Now, believe you me, I think counting your blessings is great. Living in the glass half full is exactly where we all should be. But I also think it's important to be able to connect with whatever's in the glass half empty. Sadness, discouragement, disappointment, grief, pain, whatever. You don't want to live there. You don't want to wallow in that. You don't want to focus on those things constantly. 
but it's an important skill to be able to connect with them and then get back to your more positive, optimistic life. The last is that there may be difficulty in intimate relationships while these people are extremely successful professionally. These are doers, shakers. I've talked to surgeons, motivational speakers, heads of advertising agencies, moms and dads who volunteer, who I I encourage to talk about what was really going on with them. But intimate relationships can be difficult because people with perfectly hidden depression are likely to attract people who want an over-functioner in their life. They want someone who's going to say, yeah, I'll get that done. And there can be problems, what's called an over-functioning, under-functioning dynamic in the relationship. They may also have attracted someone who themselves does not want to talk about pain. And so a lot of times avoidance of conflict is an issue in these relationships. As I said a few minutes ago, I think I'm going to add something about shame into these characteristics because the people I've talked to have admitted a great deal of shame. The other characteristic they talk about a lot is what they feel internally is incredible loneliness. Not just exhaustion, but loneliness. The kind of loneliness that you can almost convince yourself at times that no one would care if you disappeared. More than half of my interviewees, by the way, have attempted suicide. But we're going to leave the characteristics now, and I want you to hear from people who have opened up about their perfectly hidden depression. This is from a woman. Today I read your article on the Mighty about perfectly hidden depression. Holy moly, did it hit home. I am 37, married to a great guy with an amazing stepson and three dogs. I volunteer at the dog shelter. I have a very successful career, and everyone who meets me describes me as funny with a great smile. I created a fundraiser after losing a close loved one to suicide. In my younger years, I'd already lost three family members to suicide. People think I want to make a difference, and I do. But the truth is, I created the event to keep myself alive. After five years of therapy, I still haven't fully disclosed to my therapist that I've had suicidal thoughts. I cut in secret and have made an attempt. No one knows. If I died tomorrow, there might be three people in the world who wouldn't be completely shocked to know any of this. The end of your article mentioned that you'd like to hear from people who successfully hide their depression. I do, and I hate it, but admitting that kind of weakness or vulnerability is nearly impossible for me. Thank you for your article. It made me feel less of a freak. Being a perfectionist who loves making people smile does not go well with feeling like you want to give up, so I appreciate knowing I'm not alone. And here's the last one from a man. Hi, I'm happy to be interviewed as part of your research as long as it is strictly confidential. I'm 45 in a few weeks, married with three children, never sick or off work. I manage a medical clinic. Until recently, I thought I had everything under control, but a year ago, I had a meltdown and sat in the garden with a gun in my mouth, determined to do it. I have no idea why I didn't. I just didn't. Outwardly, I have it all. But I'm dead inside and feel often as if I'm just going through the motions. I probably only didn't do it because I felt I would be letting my wife and children down. Like a recovering alcoholic, I can't say we'll not get to that place again. All I know is I'm not going there today. Tomorrow, I will face tomorrow. So if you find yourself 
in either of those stories, in the characteristics you've heard about today. I hope you'll tune in to the podcast next time because there are things you can do, some simple things, some more complex things. I want to thank you again for listening. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. My website, where you can read all my blog posts on Perfectly Hidden Depression, is drmargaretrutherford.com. My email, which you already know that I enjoy receiving emails and I will get back to you, is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. Please leave me ratings, reviews, comments. As this is only my third podcast, I really want some feedback about what you want to hear, what you like, what you didn't like. I will appreciate your honesty and sincerity. Also, of course, I'd love for you to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. If you identify with perfectly hidden depression, please know that you can feel better, that you don't have to feel this lonely and isolated, and that you don't have to carry that facade into the rest of your life. Thank you again for listening. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this was Self Work.